And we are live. Welcome everyone tuning in to the hashtag stories of healing podcast episode 12. The focus of the podcast is to share a story and dive into the healing process within that challenging time in life. Story could be about pain, struggle, anxiety, depression, a heartbreak, loss of employment, trauma, or any specific challenge that brought a tough experience to overcome. Stories of healing is here to inspire, motivate, help others lift and rise up through their past or present struggles by listening in and connecting with the special guest who tunes into sharing their story of healing and how they overcame their battle. What was their healing process? That being said, good evening and welcome everyone. An author, a speaker, and the creator of the Path 2 program. He is passionate about progress. His mission is to help parents get unstuck personally or professionally and find the best path to their happiness, fulfillment, and success. Like so many people, he chose the path that offers happiness after success. And like so many others, he got stuck because he wasn't on the best path for what he wanted. Being stuck led to frustration, which caused tremendous loss and ultimately led to regret. Today, he is on his path to his new path to achieve and sustain happiness and fulfillment. His purpose is to share the wisdom gained through painful losses to help others that are stuck at that old systematic same path. Welcome, Rob Tull. How you doing tonight, brother? Do, doing great, teammate. Doing great. Nice, nice. Welcome. Thank you for coming on the show tonight for our episode 12. Uh, I love your story. I can't wait to dive in even more. And I believe that the the guests tuning in and listening in live will uh, gain some real insight and, and feel connected to your story. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from. Yeah, so uh, I'm from uh, Pennsylvania in the U.S., I spent 40 years there, maybe a little bit more than 40, um, and then recently moved to the desert in Arizona. Um, it was one of those things where I'd always loved the desert climate. And every time I would go there, I would think, God, it would be great to live here. And, uh, and then at some point, I had that revelation that, hey, I'm, I'm an adult, and I can actually make choices with my own life and do things. <laughs> and so nice, nice. it was like, maybe I should go where I want to go. <laughs> so, so I moved I like out here a couple of years ago. Cool. I like that. I have a question. When you're in that, that desert, like, can you go like uh, sand snowboarding, you know, when you see those videos of people like snowboarding in the, in the not mountain? near me, but there are places that, that people do that not too far from me, like within an hour, yeah. people do that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that. Just yeah. a side thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. And uh, yeah, do you absolutely. feel ready to, to dive in and share your story? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Rob. So, um, what is your story of which brought you a life challenge or struggle? Uh, so the, the, I'll start at the kind of inflection point, what I think is, is the most important point. And it really came down to um, what, what I can honestly say was the, the best, unfortunately, decision in my life, which was um, to get to the end of my path. And, and what I mean by that, let me just tell a little story. So, um, it was early July, 2018. I was sitting in the backyard of my gorgeous house in the suburbs. Uh, it was a beautiful summer day. It was probably like 11 o'clock in the morning. I had both my sons with me, um, newly separated uh, from, from my partner of 20 years. And it was, uh, I started to talk to the boys. Um, I think the ages were nine and 12. But like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And um, what I was really fishing out was, hey, what's it going to look like for the next 20 years for you guys? Like, like tell me what life is going to be like. And my older son was saying how he wanted to be a soccer player and a fashion designer. My younger son wanted to be a marine biologist. And um, it was right around that time as I was talking to them that this great sense of relief came over me. Um, and it was this idea, this feeling for the first time in my life, I could say, everything's going to be okay. And, and with that, um, you know, my, my breathing kind of slowed down and I, I basically passed out and that was all by design. I had overdosed on opioids and then poured tequila on top of that, um, with, uh, note sitting on my former partner's pillow with all the insurance information of what to do. And I essentially was clocking out. I had reached a point where the smartest decision I could make was to end my life. And, um, and I can even say, looking back on it, it's still the smartest decision I could have made because I didn't have the tools to do anything else. I was in a situation where I felt completely stuck. I was at a spot where I knew I could not have the life I wanted. I was working all this time and and putting a a lot of sweat equity and time and energy into a family for the long term. Um, I had aspirations to be like an old grandfather and kind of cranky on a porch. And all of those dreams were taken away from me. And more importantly, what was also taken away from me was the dreams I had for myself about what I wanted to actually do with my life, not the circumstances of my life, but what I wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. All of that was taken from me. Um, And I'm somebody who has a very high provider uh, drive, like I'm very much of service. And so the priority for my kids to provide for them financially was overwhelming. And so you know, suicide was, was the smartest option for me at that point. And, um, within about three hours of passing out, one of my sons woke me up to, he wasn't surprised that I got up, but, but I was very surprised. And, um, and I was left with this, it it felt like I got hit by a bus because, and that wasn't, that wasn't the narcotics. It was, oh no, like, I had the perfect solution. I just used the nuclear option and I'm still here. And it was the first time that I felt like I had zero clue on what comes next. Like I I didn't have a, a starting point. And so even at that moment, the next thought was, and, and, and where we lived, we didn't have a pool and this is the middle of the summer. And the boys said, let's go to the local pool And I was in no condition to drive, clearly. Um, But my next thought was, okay, just get in the car and maybe something will happen. Like maybe, you know, maybe we'll kill the three of us and that'll be, and that'll be the end. Um, Thankfully, nothing happened, but that was the beginning of kind of my inflection point. And there's there's 40 years of a long, well-worn path that took me to my spot and, and the recovery really begins kind of at that point that, that, and, and, and what I, so the term that I use is path two, 
Mm-hmm. So I took my the first path I was on basically to the end. And then I had to invent a second path for myself. Um, and so that's kind of the, that's the genesis of it. Thank you for sharing that, Rob. Um, very heavy. And um, I really want to dive into that transition and how you got onto path two and where that all began. Um, I just want to say, isn't it amazing? Like sometimes kids and your own kids in those situations, when you have that connection, create sometimes like an awakening. Sometimes that awakening can be positive. Sometimes it could be not what we expect, but we can learn so much from youth and our children. And I think that's incredible and so amazing how we're connected that way through spiritually, through love, because that's your kin. Those are your boys. And, you know, you, you, you resonated that in such a way um, that, yeah, ending that path, like that's, that's very, um, that's very powerful. And um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Going into, um, going into path two, like how, so how did this begin? Like, where did you start? What were those next steps for you to take? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And just to to close off the great point you made about the, the relationship with children, mm-hmm. the lesson I learned from my own suicide attempt is the very lesson that I had to use to salvage the relationship I have with my older son. So my older son uh, lives with me now. I have I have he lives exclusively with me. My other son lives with my former partner. Um, but that idea of ending a path, getting off the path that's not going where I want it to go and starting a new path, that lesson is what I had to apply with my older son to salvage my relationship with him and be the parent he needed, not the parent I wanted to be. And that was such a radical thought that that like I wouldn't have been able to do that without going through this kind of crucible experience of of losing everything. And when I say losing everything, I literally, you know, aside from the fact I I tried to take my life, I lost all sense of self-identity. I lost the wealth that I had accumulated over an entire lifetime. My health deteriorated and exacerbated existing issues. And I lost every connection that ever mattered to me. So it it was the the price is, you know, immeasurable. So that, that starting point of what do I do? Um, the first thing I did was in coming out of this, I had enough awareness. Once I kind of realized it didn't work, you know, obviously I, I, the, the overdose didn't work. I thought, well, I could either try it again or I actually have to deal with this problem. And I took it as a sign from the universe that I was allowed to end my first path, but I'm not allowed to clock out yet. And so it was, look, if you want a change, here's your change, but you're not leaving. And so the first thing I did was seek professional help. And I had had I, I had a history of depression and suicidal ideation my entire life. And so I dealt with different professionals and stuff, but nothing. The problem is I'm very smart in terms of my own self. So you, I can snowball therapists and talk around stuff and give them all the right answers to just keep doing the same nonsense that, that I had been doing. So I went away for a while to, to get some very dedicated treatment. And in that process, the first step I had to do was say, Rob, you need to get reoriented. You, you clearly just tried to end everything. Let's take stock and inventory of where we are right now as a person, 
who you are in your essence, because there's a lot of layers on top that contributed to this awful situation of, of feeling so stuck and trapped and hopeless that suicide was the most logical and reasonable thing to do. So let's pull all this stuff off and find out what's at the core. And so it kind of, that reorientation was really taking a look at like, what are my values? What are my passions? What, what are the things that make me happy to be alive? Mm. Um, and, And it could be not just interest. It was literally every aspect. And then from there it was, okay, what in your life is not getting addressed? Like there, there was a number of desires and dreams that I had my entire life that I was discouraged from pursuing, either because I was advised not to pursue it or because I was just fearful of doing something that not everyone else was doing. So when I was, when I was in kind of public education, kind of, um, you know, prior to university, you know, I, I loved art. Art was my passion. That's all I focused on. And I remember all along the way that the advice I would get from adults was, well, that's great. I'm, you're a good artist, but what are you going to do for a job? And that really sunk in. And there was a lot of messaging I received as a child that really focused on traditional roles. And it was, you know, as a boy, you're going to need to be a provider for your family which means you're going to be required to have a job and life isn't about fun or doing what you want. It's about providing the best life possible for your family. That is your role and destiny. So all those messages of don't do what you love and embrace the idea that your life is to be basically a source of joy for others, not yourself really are kind of key ingredients to how you fast forward, you know, until I was 40 to where I'm stuck in a situation and I can't live the life I want. And now I can't even have the future I've been working for. Well, of course it makes sense that I would, you know, logically say this is the best way out or this is the best way to solve this situation. Um, So that that's kind of how it, the key ingredients that put me there. So reorienting myself was really kind of digging through, you know, 20 to 40 years of of sediment to say Mm -hmm. what actually the, what is the core of the person here? And then once I could identify that, it was now what do we do with this? And that really, if I were to thumbnail the process, and this is, this is a process I've developed formally and, and it's gone through a lot of testing and, and it's part of my online course and it's what I work with clients on. It's you reorient, like you, you find your values again. Mm-hmm. Then you go through the process of really exploring your current situation about what your fears are, what's holding you back, what are your barriers. Then we start to entertain possibilities and say, okay, what is it that we actually want to consider in life? of being possible for us. And then once we define that, we then go through a process of taking inventory of all our traits and attributes and saying, what are the things that I need in order to get to that version of myself that I want to be? Mm. I already have a lot of it in me, but it's disorganized. And so I've got Mm. to go through this inventory process and say, what is this and how do I use it to do what I want? 
So that's kind of the overarching theme. Mm-hmm. The one thing that stuck with me um, as kind of a principle in the process was the trauma of losing everything. And and I I don't want to, I don't think I can overstate it when I say it was literally everything. Because if you think about a situation where you're working toward a goal and you spend your whole life working toward that goal and the goal isn't just, oh, I want to save for retirement or, oh, I want this material thing or this experience. But the goal was, I eventually want to be happy. Mm. When that is taken away, it literally takes the air out of life itself. And so that's what I experienced. And, and then, so there wasn't just the material losses. There was actually the loss of the will to live because it took away a future. That's just a very high price. And so I knew everything that led to my situation was common because I followed a very well-worn path that so many other people blazed ahead of me and so many people are following behind me. Mm. And when I got to that point of now I need to invent a new path, the one thing I realized was I did not need to lose everything to get to this point. And so a principle I really hold on to is when I work with my, my program and one of my clients, the goal is not to blow up life. Anybody can destroy their life. Mm-hmm. It's all about preserving the things in life we want to preserve, but still implementing the changes we need in order to feel like we're alive with a purpose. And so that really, that to me was, that's probably the only part of the process that I went through that other people get to experience, but I don't. I had to lose everything in order to to find it, but that's not a requirement to go through the change, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And thank you for sharing, Rob. Very powerful, incredible story. And you have lots of resilience to be where you are today. And, you know, I say that from heart to heart, to, to go through what you went through, to lose everything, and then to come to basically a, uh, not even a finish line, but well, technically a finish line from your from path one yeah. to a whole new building block and foundation to this path two. And I find that such a um, such an amazing perspective. You know, I've never heard that perspective before. How you had this one path, okay, it's ended. Now I need path two, and I love that you kind of incorporate that into your program where you're helping clients. It's so amazing, and. I want to dive into how, where you started building yourself. What were the, some of those channels and, um, and, and outlets and tools you used and resources? You said you reached for some help. You said you were getting into some art, which I think is amazing because honestly, as human beings, I believe, truly believe that when we um, express our creative selves, whether it's through art and dance and music, that's a form of healing. That's a form of healing. It's a form of spiritual healing and expression. And so I love that you chose that as one of those things. You're like, I want to do some art. Let's go. Like this yeah. is, that's the, that's a piece of healing. What were some of the, um, now that you're transitioning into path two for yourself and you started um, kind of, I guess, finding that core, all those attributes and those core values and everything that you want, 
how did you start building that? Like, were you writing it all down? Were you kind of um, visioning it? Were you more of like a visualizer? How motivated were you? And 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 when you're getting into building yourself these layers, like, what were the some of those channels? I guess you can say or, or outlets you use to kind of really start building that foundation. Yeah, that that's a great question. So there there was kind of three key tools or or tools that I used at three key spots that that were pivotal. But the first thing was this an acknowledgement I needed to arrive at. And it's and it's also the same way that I believe you don't need to lose everything to get what you want. Like in your current situation, you don't need to destroy your life. The other mm-hmm. thing is, I believe wholeheartedly the problem is not the person. And so that 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 was a big realization for me because I I was in a terrible situation. I was in a really cold um, and, and very distant, if not mean and evil partnership. And, and my partner was very um, non-supportive of me as a person, like didn't like me as a person. And so there was a big thought that I had was, oh, I'm the problem here. So as I was trying to fix my situation, like in this path too, there was a desire to start tearing myself apart and like reinvent myself into something different. But when I kept looking at the situation and I reoriented myself over what are my values, what are things, and I cleared away all that sediment and I found that core person, I was like, wait a second. I've always been this person. I don't want to change this. So what is the problem? And the problem was, ding, it's the path you're on. It has nothing to do with you as a person. It's the path. Because I've watched my my partner was a perfect example of somebody who at some point decided they wanted to change themselves radically. And they became unrecognizable to me. And it was like, well, if you were unhappy, you can change your circumstances. You don't need to change yourself. And so that was the approach I took. And so that was my beginning premise. And so the first tool that I used in that that process was not just identifying my values. And the values are really, you know, really basic things like, look, I'm a man of integrity. I like, I, I really believe strongly in service. I really have a very high ethical code, like all those things that I was like, these are non-negotiable. This is, these are my rules for life. But then the next thing was, what makes me feel alive? What is it that my spirit, my actual essence comes out when I'm doing something or when something is happening to me? And the best thing I could describe that as is a flow state, right? So, or you hear like athletes say they drop into the zone um, or meditators say they drop it. It's that mm-hmm. idea of a flow state where literally you feel in sync with the universe, where it just feels that there's complete continuity between the person and everything around them. So I sat down and, and thought, I want a life that has that feeling more often than not. And so I sat down and thought through every instance in which I had that feeling and kind of going back through memory banks of, okay, well, I feel that way when I'm out in nature. Okay, check. You like to be outside. So working 20 plus years in an office environment clearly isn't, you know, aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And it was, I love, uh, you know, I, I love art. And I love creative writing and I love music. And it's like, okay, well, all this art and artistic expression is nowhere in your life. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that make you feel alive. And it was 
working out. And so like I literally went through this list and, and made a massive list of all the things that make me feel alive in that flow state. And I said, your next path needs to include more of these than not. Like, obviously, if this is what makes you feel alive, let's focus on this stuff and figure out how to do this in a way that allows me to kind of live the life I want. And the challenge I had to deal with in that step was getting rid of the idea of trying to make all those, all those things happen at once, right? So to use a really ridiculous example, if I were to say it's art, being outside and working out or physical activity, I don't want to say I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do art outside at a park while teaching out, outdoor yoga. Like that's just silly, like because yeah. right because it's like a I can't do that. That doesn't make it's any like sense. Unrealistic. It's like totally unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And I layered on something on top of the things I just loved. I just secretly laid something on it that I don't love, mm-hmm. which is oh I need to work for money. Get it out of the equation, Rob. That's not important. What mm-hmm. do you love? Because those are the things you need to do. Not earn a living doing. You just need to do them. Mm-hmm. So that was the first tool. The second tool is um, was was this process you had mentioned visualization. Mm-hmm. And so that was the next tool was, okay, here are all the key ingredients of things that make me feel alive. What happens if I put all these ingredients together and make something? Like I've never thought about that. And so it was really sitting down and saying, imagine all these things are happening in your life. And let's just call to mind what a vision of that person looks like. And and for lack of a better description, I just call it a future self who's just further ahead on the second path than I am. And so it's, okay, what's that guy look like? What's his life like? And it really spends time, like, and for anybody that's done visualization, like where you, you kind of ground yourself and you go through all the sensory experience, it was really focusing on that. And and calling to mind this person that that is me just in the future. And so th- that second tool, that visualization, you know, at first, I, I come from the business world, my, like 20 years of like conditioning in the business world. Mm-hmm. And it's like all that art atrophied away. So like creativity, it was like, wow, let me think about, and it's like, no, don't get caught up in it. Like just mm-hmm. think about, if you were an artist your whole life or you were someone who was actively involved in the community your whole life, what would you look like? Like, what does that, how does that person enter the room? The person who's been doing everything they want to do when they walk in the room, what do I feel? And and it was, okay, that's, that's my target. So that was the second tool. And then the third tool I'll pause just to, to, cause I know I'm just kind of, pouring stuff out that's okay that's okay yeah the the third tool is probably the most powerful thing i've ever done and it's and it's something that every client that does it with me or or does it you know part of the program is blown away by it and it's something that has always kind of i've known it always but i never did anything with it and so there's two analogies i can use and, and the first one is the idea that it We're going to talk about it in the concept of a mosaic. And a mosaic is essentially a picture that's made up of all these little tiny pieces, right? It could be tile. It could be smaller pictures, but it's little things contribute to one big image. That's the sense of self. 
that I that I brought to this this process of what am I? And, and I borrowed that that idea of a mosaic also borrows from from Buddhist teachings about emptiness and no self. Like there is no Rob as a person. Rob is everything that he he has been affected by or lived through or surrounded by. He's influenced by all that stuff. And at the end of his life, if you if you shake him out, all that stuff's going to come out and he'll be empty again. The second way to describe this is actually more practical. And it's the idea of a junk drawer in like a kitchen or a garage. So most kitchens have the junk drawer that is just where all the miscellaneous junk ends up. Right. And it's completely not organized. But more importantly, it started at some point the first day in the kitchen. It became the junk drawer with a purpose. And it was like, oh, let's put these five things here. The flashlight, the can opener, you know, the scissors, and, and like all random stuff. Yeah. But they were, they, were, they were deliberate. I'm trying to think if I have one right now. <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. <laughs> You're okay? I mean, I could probably reorganize my, might, you know, the, the fork drawer with all the spoons. But uh, it, might, awesome. it might be in your office. Yeah. <laughs> it might be in your office. I think so, so. It's the idea that like we deliberately put stuff in this drawer with a purpose. And then over the course of time, we collect all these little things that if you don't know where it goes, it goes in the junk drawer. And eventually it's overflowing with stuff you don't know what it is. We are a junk drawer of ourselves. And all the things we put in there are our personal traits, our attributes, our characteristics, our behaviors, everything. And so what I did, and this is kind of the this is the process we go through was after I identified my values and after I came up with my future vision, I had to ask myself, well, how do I get there? How, how, okay, that guy is somewhere up ahead of me. How do I become that guy? And it was, well, what is in me as a person and what's going to come out if I empty my junk drawer and just dump it on the table and sort through everything? And so the process was to take a complete inventory of every personality trait, attribute, characteristic that I've ever thought about myself, not positive or negative. It did. There was no judgment. All the yucky stuff came out with all the good stuff. And it was what's anything is anyone has ever told me. Coaches, teachers, parents, friends, former partners, my kids, everything out. And that process allowed me to dump out all of these personality traits and say, okay, some stuff is you and some stuff are things or, or some stuff is you and will serve you going forward to become that future guy. Other stuff you collected because you needed to at some point or you thought you did, but it's not going to help you get to the future. And so the example I'll use is, so when I look at my list and I and I'll tell you the process, I'd look at stuff and I'd see like altruism, creativity, athleticism, um, compassion, humor, all those things come out. And I can look at them and say, those things I see in that future person. So they stay, they help me get there. I'm resilient. That I'm gonna need that to get there. But then I look at other attributes and I see, wow. You know, you have a really nasty self-critic. You are petty. You're jealous. 
you're temperamental. And it's like, well, and I, and I resisted the temptation to beat myself up over that stuff and had enough self-compassion to say, you collected it for a reason. You either needed it, you know, you needed to be jealous and petty because you felt hurt all the time and because you love in a way that makes you more sensitive. And so you felt hurt, you became petty. Now, does petty get you to that future spot? No. And so it allowed me to kind of go through this inventory process and look at things that either help me get to that future state or don't help me get to that future state. And the reason I'm going to bring it back to the mosaic, because this is really where um, things were a massive breakthrough for me. When I did that process, I started writing them down on sticky notes, like little square sticky notes. And as I wrote one attribute down, I would stick it on the wall. And then I'd write another one and stick it on the wall and stick it on the wall and stick it on the wall, stick it on the wall. Mm -hmm. By the time I was done, first of all, I was exhausted. And everybody that does this process says the same thing. It's, it is emotionally draining because you, you want to leave no stone unturned. You want everything out. And so sometimes bad stuff comes up or, or just painful stuff. But when it's all on the wall, that is the mosaic of me. I could step back and see this collection of individual attributes and be like, this is what you look like holistically, Rob. And it was it was really empowering to see that kind of put out and be like, wow, like that is really me. All those pieces are me. And then when I started to think about well, who's the person in the future? And I could take that sticky note that said petty and peel it off the wall and put it on a different spot. Just that one note changed the entire picture. I changed one piece and it changed the mosaic. And then it was, you're um, yanking stickies off of what's got to go. Okay, fine. And then what I'm left with are all the things that are in me that I know get me to my future. And that did two things. One, it allowed me to actually see my future in front of me. Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty close to that guy that I imagined. And then two, it allowed me to look at it and be like, I am a lot closer to that future state than I even thought I was. Because when I'm looking at what I keep versus what I got rid of, what I keep was many more notes than what I got rid of. And so just conceptually, it was like, oh, this is this is happening. This is real. This is not, you know, this is just not imaginary. I am close. And then that last piece was what's missing? Like what is not in you right now that you know that future guy has because he's living a life he wants? Oh, well, Rob, you're not patient in any way, shape or form. You, you can just tell by how fast I talk. I am not patient. And so it was, well, that guy was patient. Like when I met him, when I visualized him, he didn't have shoes on, he had shorts on, it was sunny, and he looked like he was so chill. So he's probably patient. Maybe I should work on patience. And so I would write that down and I'd put it on the wall of what I'm going to keep or get. And it was, so when I did that, it, it was exhausting to go through it. But when I got to that end point, of 
what are the ingredients in me that are going to get me to my future state? There was a massive sense of relief because up to that point, my life had just felt stuck. It never felt like I could actually be the thing I wanted to be. And that was the first time in my life I saw it in front of me. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I can be. When I have clients that do this, so many of them have, and I get choked up talking about it because they have massive emotional breakdowns. Mm. And it's not a bad way. It's that idea of I am not flawed. I am not wrong. And in fact, I'm more right than wrong. And all those things I don't like about myself, I don't need to own them. They were something that maybe I collected because I needed to at a certain point in time. And just because I was a jerk for five years doesn't mean I need to be jerk a jerk forever. I can say it helped me for those five years, but I can get rid of it. And so those three steps that what makes me feel alive, what am I want, what, what am I going to look like in the future? And then how do I get there from here with my, my mosaic? That changed everything for me. And that's really what the core of, of the tools that I use with people that, that become life changing. That's, that's it in an, in a very long winded nutshell. Thank you, Rob. I think it's so intuitive how you use that type of framework where you broke down to the core, break it all down, flush out the bad, but first like recognize the bad, recognize the good visualize it which is so cool because like i'm a practical and visualizer that's how i learn uh, i'm a hands-on i have to see in front of me um i find when it comes to reading uh or like like it's hard you know sometimes so i i find i'm more of like a visualizer and a lot of people out there in the world learn this way and I find this can really help people. And, and obviously it's, you're, what you're doing is not only when you said that your clients are breaking down, I wanted to add, but they're probably having breakthroughs, amazing breakthroughs because they're able to see those bad traits or those bad type of behaviors or patterns, experiences, but then have the good and the positive and the things they want to be and all those amazing values and attributes right there. And just like kind of reorganizing and visualizing and then flushing out the bad and, and kind of keeping in the good. Like that's a really amazing and intuitive framework. I think that people can use and harness if right now they're going through something, anyone listening in live or who watched the video, like this, this is, this is a really cool process. And I believe this process is so cool and, and, and amazing and actually very powerful because it's not even just for me from listening your story and how I feel and just kind of like operating in my head and, 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 and connecting spiritually, like that's a very spiritual process. It allows us to find that spirit inside of ourselves and really find who we are and, and break down what the things that we don't like about ourselves and how can we actually get to that, to that Jacob, to that Rob, that where we want to be. And uh, yeah, that's very powerful, Rob. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and, and I will say, because the thing too, and, and you touched on it, was we're so quick, at least I know I am, and I think a lot of people are, to identify the things in ourselves we don't like, right? That I know, you know, I can know I'm jealous. I know I'm petty. I know I'm these things that I don't like because that's running around in my head all the time. 
And it's very rare that I will ever give myself credit for something that's positive or like something that other people admire in me. And in fact, I'll ignore them. So like a simple thing like, and this was like when I was writing, when I was going through the process and a lot of people, I have to encourage this. If you were to sit down and describe yourself more often than not, they would be objective or negative attributes. They wouldn't be positive. And even a simple positive thing like kind, most people wouldn't call themselves kind because they know everything they're thinking all the time. So they'd be like, if you heard my thoughts, you would never call me kind. Hmm. So part of the exercise is what do other people describe you as? But yet if you asked them, 10 of my friends, one of the top three attributes would be like, he's kind. And so it's, I have to take credit for that because hmm. that's real. Like, even though I want to discount it. So when people see the things that they're afraid to admit that are positive out there and acknowledge like, yeah, you really are beautiful. Like you really are an amazing person. We're not ready for that kind of love sometimes. And so that's, that, that is, that's a big, that's like the big power move there too. Yeah. And I feel like I wanted to touch base just what you ended there is sometimes we don't feel that love and we don't feel or accept some of those kind words that our friends or family say is because we get caught up in such of that bad stuff because the bad stuff sometimes draws us in a little bit heavier. It, it's dirty. It, it, it makes us stick. It brings us down to the ground. And sometimes we get caught up in it. So when you're hearing some of those things like, yeah, like, really, you think I'm kind? Like, I feel like we're almost sometimes not realizing that we truly are beautiful inside ourselves, just like you said. And we're allowing some of those those environmental factors or those bad things inside of us uh, kind of like venom, you know, like venom just kind of like it latches on and it brings us down. But I like that you use that that sticky note because when I think back, it's like no matter what, as human beings, yeah, we might be born and grow up with these bad behaviors and these bad traits. And even today, we may still feel certain things that aren't positive, you know, when there's sometimes um, a barrier or a, um, a roadblock to where we want to go down that right path. The path, like you mentioned, the, the one that makes you happy with the one that you want to be at, the, that person that you want to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, like just like that self-awareness and, and, and going down to the core and, and finding those values. I think that's so amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And to your point about like the, the, the venom piece. Yeah. I can tell you like when I think about what led me to, to suicide and I think about how I contributed to the loss of everything. So I was so unhappy with who I was and my circumstances that I was throwing off a ridiculous amount of toxic exhaust. So I was so stressed and unhappy and and I, I was in a, I'm, I was in a very high pressure career, and I'll say I am still in that exact same career, and it affects me completely differently than it did before. Mm. But before, like previous to to when I was still on my first path, I'd say three years before my suicide attempt, I asked my partner. I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to leave my job. I need to actually start doing stuff I love. And my, my partner said, no, like I enjoy the quality of life that I have because we were a single income family. Mm-hmm. And they were like, look, I, I don't want you around any more than you need to be around. 
and one of my ambitions was to to do a business with my partner. They were in the fitness industry and I, I love fitness. And I was like, let's open a studio together. Nice. And they basically said, no, I don't want to work with you. Like, well, you, yeah. And, 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 and the theme, the, so the theme I take away from that as an aside is mm-hmm. just because you're necessary doesn't mean you're wanted. And that's essentially what I was like. I was necessary for their lifestyle, but not wanted. Right. Um, so I had this feeling of years of like, I have to get out. I have to get out. I have to get out. All of that tension was blowing off toxic exhaust, where when I would walk into a room, it negatively affected everybody. I was such a catabolic presence that I, I, I literally poisoned every situation I was in. And so it got to a point where not only did my partner not want to be around me, my kids didn't want to be around me. I would travel for work. And when I would come home, everybody would say, we're happy that you're gone. Like, we don't like it when you're home. Even after my suicide attempt, before I kind of figured out this whole path to thing, um, when I was away in treatment, my partner sent me a letter. That my partner didn't communicate with me at all. Didn't check on me. Didn't do my former partner. Didn't check on me at all. Mm-hmm. And sent me a letter while I was away, like two weeks into treatment, that basically said, I don't know what's going on with you, but we're really happy that you're not here. And we had a family event planned like months in advance before we were separated for one night that while I was in treatment and my partner said, my former partner said, we, it would have been a miserable experience if you were here for that event. And it was such a great event. We had such a great time. Focus on you. It was like, that's the amount of toxicity I threw off that not addressing it poisoned everything. And so that venom that you just kind of talked about, like that negative venom that runs around inside us sometimes, Mm -hmm. it had reached a level where it wasn't even just poisoning and killing me. It was poisoning and killing everybody else around me. Um, And so you're right. It's like being able to identify that and put a cap on it, because if we don't, that contributes to the destruction of of what we have. Mm -hmm. Rob, if so, what was the hardest thing to let go of to push yourself forward when you were going down path to when you started building yourself and you started really focusing on those values and those attributes and those things that you started really realizing, okay, I love what I love these things. This is what I'm going to do. Started kind of putting away the bad, capping it on. And you started really seeing yourself grow. If you can think back and reflect, what was like the hardest thing to let go of to really help yourself push forward? when you really started taking off as, as, as where you wanted to be. It, 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 the hardest thing to let go of was the old muscle memory of making decisions, actions, and living a life that I had gotten used to. And I thought I was supposed to do because that's what everyone else did. So the idea of like thinking, not just thinking for myself, but trusting myself, trusting my intuition that said, Rob, you really need to do this. And this actually goes all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about where you asked me where I'm living. So, and it comes down and there's, there's three questions that actually kind of help this process. I'm standing in the desert in Arizona at a treatment facility. As I'm thinking about, I've got to go back to life and I don't know what I want. And I'm watching the sunset and it is just breathtaking. And I said, why can't I have this every night? Like, God, I would love this. And it was like, dude, you're an adult. Like, you can. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and so then I thought like, well, what if, and the first question was like, what, what if I moved out here? And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm allowed to, I'm going to give myself permission to do this change. Wow. Okay. And I said, well, I can't, I, I've got a job. There's, uh, you know, my, my former partners holding me to task on, on the kids and all this other stuff. And I can't leave that your family's back there, all your friends, your social network. Okay. Well, you can keep your friends even after you move. You can keep your job and work remotely. You can see your kids once a month and fly them out or come back. So I literally answered every one of the challenges that came up as a why not. I basically overcame it and and gave a response. And as I sat there, then it was, okay, you asked yourself what if. You challenged the idea about why not. Now the question is, why not now? Why are you going to wait, Rob? Your whole life has been pushing off the things you really want. Just do it now. That was a radical change from everything else I had lived up to that point. And that was the scariest intellectual or like emotional leap I had to make was you cannot live life decision-making wise the way you have up to this point. Mm. You now need to start to make decisions that are aligned with your intuition, your spirit, with your essence. You can no longer just pick the right answer that everyone else is doing. It doesn't work for you. It's not going to get you what you want. So that was, that was the biggest, that was the hardest challenge by far. Would you do, would you do anything differently to overcome what you went through? That's a great question. Um, you know, there, I don't think I would have learned my lesson. Um, had I not attempted suicide, I, I am, a very high achiever. I have a lot of accolades and and a lot of accomplishments under my belt. I had a life that everybody else wanted. Like, honestly, you would look at my, my, my partner was a knockout. My house was great. My job was great. My kids were great. Everything was great. You'd look at me on paper and say, how dare you not be happy? Mm. Um, so the only way to really overcome that was something that traumatic. Looking back, Like if I say, where did all of this go sideways? It goes all the way back to the moment I chose to the the university I went to and what major I picked. And even after that, I got out of college and I told my parents I made the wrong decision. Like, I don't want this career that I'm now trained for. I want to go do something else. Um, And there was a deal I made with my parents, which is I'll apply for one job. And if I don't get it, I get to go chase my dream. And if I do get it, I got to take that job. Um, I got the job and the next day or two days later, I went on my first date with the person that became my partner. And so it was like, everything kind of got set in cement at that point. Mm-hmm. And like, if I can go back and redo that, I would, I would, I would blow that job interview so fast. Like it, <laughs> it absolutely would have just blown that job interview <laughs> and, and doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> amazing yeah incredible story rob and you know thank you for sharing this tonight and i think people listening in who may be stuck right now you know professionally or personally in their life and uh i think it's super important even as you say you're not even stuck or you're kind of you know in a really good spot but doing things like that kind of always taking a moment where you set some time to kind of self-aware you know maybe reflect 
and 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 kind of dive into your core a little bit and see if there's still things you want to do in life see if there's still things that you want to accomplish <clears throat> things that you really want to like take over and in such a positive way and you know because we do have one life and it does go by but as we become growing and in and, and, and so many different avenues of where we want to be, I think it's always important to always continue self-awareness and, yeah. and, and always starting to think, you know, I wake up today and you're going about your day. Is this where I want to be right now? You know, is this where I want to be moving forward? You know, and start picking away those bad things and start kind of like always still focus on the positive. And I love that you put that in perspective. And I think it's super empowering what you went through um, from that path one to path two. And I love that you created a program out of that transition through your life experience to now helping others. And I think that's the most amazing, just such an amazing uh, story and an amazing uh, outlet. And now you're accomplishing things with your community and I wanted to ask, you know, what is what is Rob doing today through Path to Coaching? What are you doing right now for your clients? Right. So, and so you touched on so many great things there. Uh, and the mm. thing that I think is most important too is all the things I just kind of summarized. We can do at any point in time, and we can do them over and over again. Like I've done my junk drawer exercise three times because mm. it it every time it's like, a, oh, I'm 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 working on this, and it. What it does for us emotionally and spiritually cannot be overstated. It really is profound. Um, and, and so what I'm doing now, and I really am. So when I look at my values, the things where I feel in flow and alive, teaching is up there. Helping is another thing and being of service. Those are things that I, I'm just really passionate about. And so um, the, I have a course that, that is getting finalized to be released. It's all designed. It's all filmed. We're just finishing the final edits on it um, that can walk people through this entire process in like seven weeks. And, nice. and it really is just amazing. Um, I also work with clients individually. I also work with groups and I, I do a lot of speaking and I, I love speaking. It's, it's a chance to really connect with people and feel that energy and, and share with them the lessons. Because like I said, I paid a really high price and, if I got to pay for all, of, all the people behind me, I'm, <laughs> I want them to benefit from, from it and learn, you know, and, and get access to these things. And it, I love to see people succeed. One of, one of my other passions is teaching martial arts. And the thing I oh, love cool. about it is watching people do stuff they didn't think they could do. That, to me, just makes me glow. And so seeing my clients do stuff like that, too, and, like, address some of the challenges or some of their pain points is – is so rewarding. Yeah. You're an amazing person, Rob. And, uh, you know, we can see, I can see through and you have such a great heart and what you're doing right now for your community. And I know you're going to continue doing amazing things in the world. Um, keep being you, you know, keep self-awareness, keep focusing on that inner core. And it's so cool because it always starts sometimes, you know, when the toughest things that we go through, those some days where we're just having those battles and those challenges, we should just take a little moment, breathe, and just think, okay, what does that core want? What does our heart want? And start kind of directing that way. Yeah, absolutely. We can listen to our spirit. That is huge. It's massive. If you, if you had to say um, some uh, final words, I like to say, but if you had some like some words of insight from Rob, you know, some 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 words that you would like to say to people out there right now, whether they're youth, 
some children, youth, young adults, maybe mm-hmm. even older adults uh, that can be stuck right now, that could be battling with maybe uh, some of their behavior or some some anything. It could be something negative that they're going through, things that they just can't cap or let go of. And uh, what would you do? Um, what, would, what would you say to them to help them kind of, uh, where would they start? The, the first thing I would say is more often than not, when we're in a situation where we feel like life isn't going the way we want it to, or we're, we're feeling pain or we're not feeling the emotions we really want to feel in life to feel alive more often than not, it's not us as a person, nothing is wrong with us or with you as an individual. You have to look at your circumstances and look at what, how you're approaching the things you want. And, and part of the, and so when we start to consider other paths, it's not redirect life. Because we never take the goals off the table. we ne- And that's the thing is the goals all still stay there. We just try a different approach to get to the goals. And so it's not like I say, oh, I'm no longer going to save for retirement because I got to, I, I don't, you know, because that's that, a different path. No, you still do it. It's just we find a different way to do it. So we get so, we're so willing to attack ourselves and beat ourselves up. And we try to reinvent everything we are. We just grasp at stuff. I'm going to dye my hair, change my clothes, change my name, do this, do that, get new friends. It's, it's not you. It's, it's the path. And, it's, and that is something that we absolutely can solve all the time. Amazing. Thank you, Rob, for sharing your story tonight. Thank you for those words. I'm inspired. I just want to start throwing notes on my wall just so <laughs> what I could come up with. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a breakthrough. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think it's an amazing perspective and I think that it's so positive and it's so authentic and it's, 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 it's cool because it's spiritual too, you know, your spiritual expression of who we are and diving in and, uh, you're an amazing person. Thank you, Rob, for, for coming on our show tonight. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to Rob's story. If you want to connect with Rob, you can follow him on Facebook. It's at path to coaching. Rob, do you have a website or any other feeds there that you want to shout out? I do. Yeah, I have a website. It's it's www.path2coaching with the number two. So it's P-A-F-T-H-2coaching.com. And, and find me. Yeah. I love awesome. to share information. Thank you, teammates, so much for, for letting me be able to, to share my story and, and for you to make this platform available for so many other people like me to share these stories. It's It's really powerful. I'm grateful to have you on our show tonight, Rob, and and thank you for coming on. I appreciate you, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please connect with Rob, and uh, let's get on that path, too. Have a good night, everybody.